It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What's going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. Thanks for letting me be a part of your day. And thank you to patrons who help make the show possible, like Mary and Peggy, Tavis, Kristen, Beth and Al, Kim, Eugene, Brian, David, thanks very much. They became patrons of the program. You can as well. Just go to thepetecalendarshow.com. Here is another website you need to know, growershemp.com. Growers Hemp, presenting this show today, Growers Hemp is North Carolina farmers that created their own CBD company uh, from the seed all the way to the shelf. Okay, so you get top quality at great prices, and you're helping save North Carolina family farms. Growershemp.com and use the promo code LOVE all this month, month of February, promo code LOVE at checkout, and you will get uh, one free balm when you get one, when you buy one. So buy one, get one. I know that I backed into that. It's a BOGO. It's a buy one, get one of the balm, and it is the bomb. It's the B-A-L-M, actually. It's really great. And um, you can use it for your, uh, you know, your knuckles, your hands, your feet, your back, uh, hips and such. So whatever ails you, uh, try the bomb. It's a topical, you know, it's a salve. They also have the drops. I take these every night before I go to bed and I sleep more deeply than I ever have before in my life since I started taking the CBD drops. Growershemp.com. And as always, I got to read the disclaimer. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration and the efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research, and these products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and nothing I have said is meant, is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. So, consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. And now, okay, I'm in the clear. Growershemp.com, it's about the hemp and not the hype. Joining me now is Bob Lee. He is the uh, purveyor of a website, Bob Lee Says, and he is a longtime friend of the late Rush Limbaugh. And uh, Bob Lee, thanks so much for joining me, making time for me today. I do appreciate it. And my condolences uh, uh, to you and your your wife and uh, your family and your friends of of Rush. And I, I, I mean, I know everybody feels his loss as listeners, but you know him and it's different for you. And I can't imagine, I can't understand what that what that feels like for you uh, well so, thank you pete I'm, I'm glad to be with you and glad to talk about it the the column that everybody's talking about that i did the afternoon or tuesday afternoon was really very cathartic for me because i got to recall all the good times the fun times the incredible incredible wonderful ride over 32 actually i've known him for 40 years but 32 years nationally so i got to recall all the good times instead of just concentrating on the fact that he's gone mm-hmm well, and it's one of the things also that uh, I was talking about this with some of my audience the other day uh, on a, a live stream event where we were talking about um, how radio is such an intimate format that even when you lived across the country from your friend, uh, you still got to hear him every single day. And because he's literally in the room with you, talking with you. And it's a different yeah. experience. And I think it's one of the things that a lot of people who don't get radio or don't, didn't get Rush, um, they, they, they don't understand the power of just the medium like that to make an impact. Well, Rush, as people who really know his background and have read about him and the whole thing of how he got there and all the radio jobs he had prior to hitting it big, uh, when he was a sophomore in high school, his father, who was a very successful lawyer in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, which is about two miles, two, excuse me, two hours south of uh, St. Louis, right on, the, right on the Mississippi River, which is why it's a Cape Girardeau. Mm. And, um, but his father owned an interest in a little tiny AM station, and Rush would go in there every afternoon after school and in the morning very early and do DJ shows. He was Rusty Sharp. His name was Rush Limbaugh. That's a real name. He's the third, his father and his grandfather. But he used his first uh, radio pseudonym was Rusty Sharp, which, had, you know, he's either got to be a disc jockey or a porn star with a name like that. <laughs> but uh, trust me, he was, he was a disc jockey. He wasn't a porn star. Right. But anyway, <laughs> and after, four wives can, can attest to the fact he was not a porn star. <laughs> but uh, so he got his start that way doing radio. And then he got a couple of gigs when he was young. Uh, out of, well, not when he quit college, as people know, and, and uh, 
Pittsburgh, and uh, then he ended up in Kansas City, and that's where he and I met. But radio was what he was. He was a radio guy before he was a political commentator, and that, Pete, was the key that all the people who tried to figure him out over 32 years, the, the bad guys, the enemy, the left, never understood he was a radio guy, and he understood exactly what's on the other side of that microphone that you're talking to. Well, and and because he understood radio so well and then did politics as a radio guy, and I, re- I read both of his books, and I remember the very first thing he says in, in the first one was, you know, I'm an entertainer, and, like, that was, it's a tip of the hat to what you're talking about, right? Like, he's a radio guy, and he does politics, and that understanding of how to do radio i think now has become such a part of all the people that do political talk i think like he like that mold is replicated to some degree in everybody that has followed him yeah because if you don't understand radio you don't know how to be successful doing this work i don't think I had someone ask me a week or so ago but when they knew he was sick. And, of course, a lot of people have been anticipating what was going to happen this week. We we knew it two weeks ago yeah. that he that the idea of a miracle wasn't going to happen. And he, he went downhill fast over the last two weeks. And, and so the call we got from his brother, David, uh, at 10 o'clock Tuesday morning, it, it, we knew it was coming. So it, it, it really it was. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, now it's come. Now there is no miracle. Uh, but. Uh, we, we were sort of prepared for it. But anyway, over the last few months, a lot of people have been talking to me and asking me. I had not gone public with my relationship yet for, for obvious reasons. I didn't want a bunch of crazies showing up on the front door. And there are a lot of crazies out there, Pete. I mm-hmm. guess you know that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> Indeed. Because there are lots of crazies. But anyway, <laughs> I don't want the other crazies showing up on my front door. But uh, pointed out that for 32 years, he used that same bumper music. He never changed the bumper music. He never changed a lot of the sticks that he did, Brain Behind My Back, uh, Attila the Hun Chair, uh, you know, all these sticks that he continued to use, Talent on Loan from God. He, those were consistent. You knew he was going to say those things, and you looked forward to it, and you almost repeated them with him when he said them. And, you know, a lot, there's a lot of radio consultants, and God knows there are a million of those Mm-hmm. Some of the guns out there. So, oh, you've got to update it. You've got to change it. Rush never had to deal with a radio consultant. He never had a committee or a board or a management group that he had to sell on anything. You ought to have guests, whatever. Nope, it was his show. He knew from the, from the beginning how he could do it, and he knew that he could pull it off. He could pull off three hours of interesting talk without turning it over to a guest to, you know, like you've done here, mm-hmm. to talk. You know, he... Uh, he knew he could do it, and he could. And that doesn't mean everybody else can do it. And most people can't. But he had the rare, he was a savant to be able to do what he did. But the fact that he never changed the bumper music, that same pretender saying, you, you hear, if you hear it 10 years from now, you're going to think Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. I mean, Christy Hine, it, I mean, he paid, he paid Christy Hine for that. And right. however you right. pay for all that. But uh, it, it's his song now. It's his bumper music. And the sticks that he used, they'll become uh, famous. Uh, uh, you know, people will be repeating those forever and ever. And uh, Well, sure. You know, I mean, it, it was all part of putting together a fantastically entertaining political radio show. I still say nicotine stained fingers. <laughs> I mean, I use the term stack of stuff. Um, yep. You just can't help but do it. You hear it and it and it clicks and then you hear it enough times and it's like it, it you just you can't shake it. It becomes part of your own vocabulary. So, right, so let me back up because you have at your uh, at your website, Bob Lee says dot com that uh, you write about, uh, you call it America's anchor man for 32 years, my dear friend for 40 years. And you start off by briefly talking about how you met. So let me start with you there. How did you meet Rush Limbaugh? Was he on the radio at the time you met him? Not at all. He had just been hired two weeks before as the lowest salesman in the Kansas City Royal Baseball Team sales organization uh, after being fired from his fourth radio job in Kansas City. Well, two in Pittsburgh, two in Kansas City. And so he was the lowest sales guy, and he made a call on me. I was a sales manager at the Crown Center Hotel in Kansas City, and he made a sales call on me. And uh, I'll never forget it. And I've told this story for people who call him a misogynist and all this stuff with the feminazis and other stuff he's done. 
he brought a, a lady from the sales office with him, from the ticket office, in case I had any questions that he couldn't answer. He didn't want to, he wanted me to have someone that could answer the question. So he brought her along with him and said, you know, she knows more about this than I do. And I didn't want to uh, insult you as a, as a potential client. Hmm. Anyway, for that and other reasons, I was relatively newly single. He was not single yet, but he soon would be for the first of three times. And uh, as everybody knows, mm-hmm. uh, marriage, marriage was not his strong point, although he, <laughs> finally, he finally figured it out on number four with Catherine. She's wonderful. But uh, we became dear friends. Uh, our part, My apartment and his house were, oh, probably five miles apart in South Kansas City. And we would meet at an IHOP about halfway between our two houses or two places we live and sit there over a bottomless coffee coffee pot all night and wonder why the world didn't realize what geniuses we were. <laughs> well, you know, it's obvious we have the secret to the, to the world right here between us. Why didn't the world realize what geniuses we were? I mean, you know, with your best friend, you had that conversation. Right. And that's how we just hit it off. And uh, the other thing, and I mentioned this in the um, early on in my, my column, he and I used to sit in what is now called a man cave at his house. It was a it was a split level house. It was kind of a lower level basement, and we'd watch NWA wrestling from Atlanta. Gordon Soley, hello from the Peach State of Georgia, <laughs> and we would do impressions of the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, and Dory Funk, and Ric Flair, and all these other guys, Freddie Blassie, all these other wrestlers, and that's where Rush picked up a lot of the bombast. How the, the how those wrestlers would do the. The bomb, the blow hardness, the yeah. bombast that he became so famous for. I could do a much better Dusty Rhodes impression than Rush Limbaugh. He knows it. If he were here today, he would tell you my Dusty Rhodes American dream was better than his. But anyway, that's where he picked up a lot of the, the pencil neck geek, if you remember that. Mm-hmm. But he, he called Adam Schiff a pencil neck. That was an old stick that a guy named Classy Freddie Blassie used to do in Madison Square Garden. And Blassie called him one time and said that. And said, Man, you've made me famous. You brought me back. The old Freddie Blassie, pencil neck geek. But anyway, that's where a lot of that came from. And uh, and Rush knew. A lot of people never understood. That. I won't say a lot of people. My mother never understood the, the blowhardness. The, oh, that guy thinks so much of himself. It was all a shtick. Yeah. I mean, you know. It's like uh, it's almost along the lines of uh, what Liberace telling Elvis to get more flashy, you know, and, and he starts wearing all the suits and such. Um, right, right. So why do you think that you two hit it off as friends like that? Well, as I said, I was single. He was about to be. We were about the same age. I'm three or four years older. Uh, yeah, I'm 73. He's 70. And uh, I don't know. I just fate. Now, people say, well, I, I tied my wagon to a star. Petey was making $15,000 a year as the lowest guy in the sales office of the Royals. I didn't, that's not really a star to say, I'm going to just, you know, so I'm going to, I'm going to tag on to, uh, 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 you know, such and such a musical star and then ride him to, to fame. Yeah. Not exactly. I mean, I was, I was making more money than he was. He well, just, he would, we just liked, we just liked each other. And, uh, he, he took me home to take the order to meet his parents for Thanksgiving because, uh, uh, I was kind of by myself and stuff. So I went home with him, met his brother and his dad and mom and got to know them real well. And, uh, we were just buddies. I mean, we were both in our early 30s and, uh, you know, we just sort of, I don't know fate uh we met and and we became friends and uh uh, of course i tell the story how uh at his second wedding which was held in the vip suite at royal stadium he introduced me to uh to a girl that he had been in high school with it was now uh an advertising salesperson in kansas city and she and i were married a year later she became blondie and uh rush was the best man in our wedding uh in cape Girardeau. So he introduced so, yeah, you so to yeah, your wife. So yeah, we were yeah, we were pretty good friends. You yeah. can say we were pretty good friends. He introduced my wife and I was our best man in our wedding. Yeah. So uh, speaking of good friends, let me tell you about my good friend Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team. Uh, I'm using Rowena and her team to buy my house in the uh, Asheville area. I highly recommend her. If you are thinking about buying in the mountains or you want to sell, she'll get your house sold fast and for more money. She has buyers already lined up. Uh, If you're looking to buy, she has homes in all price points. Give her a call at 828-333-4483. That's 333 
4483. The website is mountainhomehunt.com. She's the official Homes for Heroes real estate agent in Asheville. Uh, this gives buyers and sellers 25% back from the realtor commissions if those buyers and sellers are police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, or members of the military, veterans, active duty, retirees. Give her a call, 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com and start packing. So Bob Lee from the website, Bob Lee says, it's, um, I, I wonder like how people could assume or think that you were trying to hitch your wagon to his star because <laughs> you tried to talk him into taking the job as a potato chip salesman. Not, yeah. Not a oh, radio guy. A <laughs> he, he, he loved his deal with the Royals, but he's not making no money. And in the in the baseball world, the sports world, the front office people, other than the general managers, don't make any money because people would take the jobs for free mm-hmm. just to work, just to be around the stars and stuff. And um, so he knew he had no future there, and he really missed radio. And so he was going to resign from the Royals. And I remember we were, in a, we were across the street from Royal Stadium in a hotel called the Sheraton Royal. I was with his mom and his dad, he and I, and... Uh, he was telling his dad and he got up to go to the restroom. And so his dad telling me, he said, you can't let him, can't let him change his job. I believe he, he, this, you know, his dad came out of the depression. So you don't leave a job. Yeah. You, you, you kick for life. And, um, and I said, big guy, which was called Rush. His father was a real big guy. And Rush <laughs> became real big. The big guy, I said, he's got to do what he's got to do. I said, this, this, this isn't what he wants to do. It's fun, but it really doesn't lead anywhere. And, um, you know, he said, oh, I guess you're right. And, well, just t- take care of him, Bob Lee. You know, you're the only you know, friend he's got, for God's sake. You know, whatever. <laughs> and uh, some, people say, some people say, well, Bob Lee, if it hadn't been for you, Rush Limbaugh would have not become the national worldwide icon and blah, 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 blah. Well, not exactly, because the job I thought he was going to take would be a marketing director for a local potato chip company, <laughs> which, which, you know, which shows my uh, my uh, uh, skill as an executive headhunter. That's right. You know, <laughs> Rush Limbaugh said you ought to be selling potato chip. What? You're going to go back working for a little radio station in Mission, Kansas. But uh, that's what he wanted to do. You understand it. You're, you're a radio guy, and there's nothing like that microphone and talking to those people on the other side. It's the whole... Uh, well, play Misty for me thing, the the Wolfman Jack in, uh, in American Graffiti. I mean, it's all of that. And uh, that's what Rush wanted to do. And uh, when he got to Sacramento, jumping in a little bit, uh, he had a program director out there who let him do what he wanted to do, let him have the show he had figured out in his mind he could do. And that became a three-hour gig with no, no guest. And uh, let me say a couple of outrages. He was never a shock jock. I mean, I know some of his sticks he did. He said, they ought to keep ugly people off the plaza in Kansas City, Missouri, and don't <laughs> worry, you know who you are. I mean, he did some stuff, but he didn't do Howard Stern type of stuff. He didn't right. do Imus type of stuff. Uh, he didn't do uh, oh, a couple of other people on serious far out uh, soft porn kind of crap. He never did anything like that. Stuff was funny. Yeah, some of it was sophomoric, but uh, uh, he, he could do three hours of interesting radio without a guest and nobody. Larry King, who coincidentally died a couple of weeks ago, yeah. uh, couldn't do it. I mean, Larry King was turning it over to interesting guests, which was fine. Rush was him talking for three hours and making you wish it was another hour to go. Hating it when you looked at your clock and it was quarter to three. Which is something that people who, uh, you know, like a fish doesn't know it's wet. If like you're my age, I'm 47. uh, That's the norm. Right. Understanding like, okay, you you have a show. It's three hours. It's just you. And if you want to get guests on there, you can. But you're responsible for the whole three hours. Like, but that was not that was not the norm that was so beyond what nor what, what normal radio sounded like back then well everybody in radio you know their job is for, to the next ratings book mm-hmm. everybody and then you know, the owner of the station clears out the house when your ratings drop five points or something whatever the reasons were that's just and the consultant comes in and earn his pay he's got to say you need to replace your people mm-hmm. and uh so Rush was was it was uh, caught in that several different times, but he finally in, in Sacramento, the guy said, "All right, I'm going to trust you. You got six months to make this work," and he did. And he became Mr. Radio in Sacramento, California. He had billboards all over town selling mattresses and audio and uh, stereos and all the stuff that that ha- that happens when you're Mr. Radio in a relatively small market. And then he was discovered by Ed McLaughlin and. Uh, 
they came to New York, and a lot of that has all been documented and stuff in Russia's books. And uh, and then the next thing you know, he's got 600 affiliates, and he's on the cover of Time magazine, and he's a one-name icon. Yeah. Boom. Overnight. Overnight Boom. success, exactly. <laughs> only, took him, only took him five, five jobs being fired from and, <laughs> and meeting meeting me and uh, sitting in an IHOP. And next thing you know, the world discovers a true genius that, that revolutionized. And literally, of course, I mean, there's no question he saved AM radio. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and I said this uh, the other day when uh, when I did you know my show after I learned that he had uh, died was I would not be doing this. This he gave me a career doing this, uh, even though uh, yeah, I mean I've bounced around a couple different radio stations, not nearly as many as most radio people do, but this job wouldn't even exist, um, and podcasting wouldn't even really exist uh, like it does now if not for him. Everybody owes him so much, even people that don't like him. Uh, <laughs> my guest is uh, Bob Lee from BobLeeSays.com, and uh, we're talking about uh, his uh, friend of 40 years plus here, uh, Rush Limbaugh, uh, and we'll have more with him in a minute, uh, and not quite... F- uh, 40 years, but uh, 30 plus years now. Old Grouch's military surplus in downtown Clyde. They've been your source for real U.S. military surplus. Head on in. Let Tim hook you up. He's got some dinner plates that just came in, uh, but these things usually go pretty fast. Um, warm weather is coming. If you're thinking about getting some gear for hiking, camping, and fishing, then you need to get to Old Grouch's Military Surplus. He can also uh, set you up with a first aid kit, which every hiker and camper and hunter should have. So head on over to Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde on Main Street. The shop is open Monday through Saturday. It is across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. And ask him about that. It's a great story. Also, 24-7 at oldgrouch.com. That's oldgrouch.com. So, Bob Lee, you, uh, you were talking about he was at the Kansas City Royals. And anybody that followed Rush knows that he loved sports. Uh, he loved And he loved the Kansas City Royals. Um, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Steelers, Pittsburgh yes. Steelers, the Iron Curtain team, the Joe Green, the Terry Brad, he was there in Pittsburgh when they were at their height, so he loved them too. Right, that's true. Well, I grew up a Dallas Cowboys fan, so I guess I blocked some of that out. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but uh, I also know from listening uh, to him over the years, but uh, did he have some sort of a relationship with George Brett, the famous he he- Kansas City Royal? He did indeed. The George that was the George Brett teams in the late seventies, early mid eighties. Yeah. George Brett was a king of Kansas City. He was great because he had his whole career there. George was a leader of the team. In a sports organization, the front office and the locker room don't mix. The, the the athletes, the jocks know that people upstairs just want something from them, an autograph or whatever, meet my leftover girlfriends, whatever. So they really don't deal with the suit and tie people upstairs, the salespeople and stuff. One day, George brought bought a new stereo set and uh, top of the line and he didn't know how to hook it up and someone <laughs> said there's a guy upstairs in the sales office that i think knows how to do that so word got out george brett needs help setting up his stereo set rush said sure i mean there's a radio guy he knows all about setting up sound systems or whatnot so he went out to george's house and set it up and that was uh 38 years ago and they used to take an annual golf trip to Hawaii every spring, and uh, they just became good friends. And, and George is a jock. Bless him. He's a, he's a men love him, women love him. George Brett's a jock. Mm-hmm. Handsome guy, king of Kansas City. But he, he's not an intellectual, political uh, interest. And he would say, I have no idea what the son of a gun is saying, but he sure <laughs> is good at it. <laughs> I mean, he was amazed that Rush could do what he could do. And he didn't understand what he was talking about. Right. And uh, and uh, they got along well. And once Rush, once George Brett said, this is my friend, then everybody in the clubhouse loved him. And mm-hmm. John Wathan and Jamie Quirk and a bunch of other guys that were Kansas City Royals. Then Rush was accepted into their fraternity because George said, he's my friend. Yeah. And he continued, continued to be. And I'm sure uh, if this was a normal time and there was going to be a real service and stuff for Rush, that George would be there. Well, it's one of the things also, Rush 
would talk on his show and offer these nuggets of life advice. And I don't think, you know, people, and probably a lot of people didn't recognize them as such, but, you know, you want to be successful, surround yourself with successful people. Ask successful people how they did it. And they'll tell you, usually, they'll tell you. And that's an example, you know, George Brett, uh, you know, Hall of Famer. It's like you, you surround yourself with people who perform at that high of a level and, you will too. Like you, you learn how to do that, and it just it 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 always clicked for me uh, when he would say things like that. And uh, one of the other things he he would talk about being positive versus being negative, and how being negative is sort of the default de facto place where we kind of go. It takes work to be an optimist and to keep looking on the bright side of things. And he would you know, advocate that you do that. You're going to have a better, more fulfilling life if you do that. And I don't, I mean, I just, I remember these things and they have helped me. Well, people look back now and say 32 years, making, you know, 50, 60, $80 million, whatever. He's got the jet, he's got the big ocean fund home. He's got all this. There were about five or six times along those 32 years where we didn't know that he's going to make it through the day. I mean, there were some scandals along the way. I mean, you yeah. followed him, you know, uh, uh, what was the first one? Um, not the uh, not the opioid thing. Uh, the cochlear, he was going to go deaf. Yeah, they yeah. Could, they couldn't operate on his on his neck uh, nerve because he'd have to go to his voice box and that could ruin his career if they flipped. So, but they figured out this cochlear implant. He was one of the first people to have it. Okay, he, he jumped that hurdle. All right, then there was the opioid thing that came from part of that yeah that is the pain in his head and his wife was also a pain in the other part of his anatomy <laughs> and uh, that was number three so that was part of it too and uh, so but that was he, he overcame that he went to an act of betty ford and he overcame that and that that would have waylaid most people there was the and i've forgotten her name he, he called her an slu yeah yeah remember that That's sandra like, fluke my, Yep. Yeah, uh, Blondie had recommended he say skank, but no, he was the expert. He was going to say, you could have said round heel. You could have said hooker. You could have, there are about 10 words you could have used. Yeah. And you got to use slut. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> now he got through that one. Uh, the time he called, uh, what's her name? Um, uh, let's see, was it? Uh, well, we don't Clinton's, like. Uh, not Clinton's daughter, but. Yeah, uh, yeah, Chelsea. Yeah, Chelsea. The new White House dog, you know. Yeah, yeah. So there were a couple of times when you're working without a script, yep. without a net, and doing live radio for 32 years, three hours a day, five days a week. Every once in a while, Tourette syndrome is going to slip in there. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I said that. Say, yeah, I said, I've said the same thing the other day. I told people, like, I'm sure if you go back and pull tape of anybody that does it particularly that long, you're going to find something because you, oh, nobody, I, nobody can talk that long and not mess up, especially uh, when you're talking about politics and uh, you know you get personalities and stuff. It's just, of course, that's going to happen. Um, well, I, I used to do civic, the civic club circuit, doing civic club you know, guest mm-hmm. and doing my little thing. And I did probably a hundred of those rotary clubs, the uh, Kiwanis club, you know, the route. And, uh, and one time in a, in a little rotary club breakfast in Kernersville, I slipped. I did an F word mm. and I, and the world stopped and you say, did anybody <laughs> even hear what I said? Should I apologize? No, just keep going. Just keep going. <laughs> they didn't hear me anyway. You know, the three guys that haven't fallen asleep. Then I, why, why tell everybody else? No, God, I'm sorry. I said that beat me with a stick. No, you just keep going. <laughs> and, uh, that's what you do. You know, the cough, of course you guys have a cough button. Yes. But, uh, you know, for 32 years and how many minutes he was on that, uh, there were only three or four things that we remember, and I'm, some of your wrestlers might even not, not even remember some of those I did. But there were some times when it was like, "Oh Lord, here we go again. They're going to come after him." And uh, of course, the coming after him is another thing we could do a whole show on that. Sure. How well, right now you've got you know Donald Trump has lost his bully pulpit for the time being, and we've lost Rush. I mean, you could say God had a weird sense of humor. Come mm-hmm. on, God, we need both of those guys right now. So, but, so along those lines, though, did you ever see him ever lose, um, or I should say, did, did it seem like the critics were getting to him? Did he? Did you ever get the sense that 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 made an impact on no. him? Because he always came across, you know, on the air and in, in the way he did, and as a happy warrior kind of guy. And so, did it ever seem like this stuff got to him? I'm going to tell you his motto, and you've heard a million times. If the media didn't make you, the media can't break you. Mm -hmm. And they didn't make him a star. He made himself a star. So they couldn't turn on him. They didn't have him. I mean, well, we're not going to support you anymore. No, they never supported him. 
he always succeeded in spite of the uh, the, the the media, the uh, the competition, the the other uh, commentators out there, the other news people who resented the money that he was making. He made money because he made mega money for his sponsor. All of his contracts, which his brother negotiated for him, were based on the income. They weren't straight commission, but the the big payoff was based on the money he produced for his the Snapple guys. He took Snapple yeah. from a small little regional beverage company in Hoboken, New Jersey. They went national because Rush talked about them. And there were other, Allen brothers. There were a bunch of others. Of course, Media Matters came after him and tried to uh, intimidate those sponsors. And they were successful with a few of them. But uh, they couldn't stop him because they didn't start him. And Premier, of course, the syndicating company, uh, Clear Channel, yep. iHeart, whatever they're called today, uh, they recognized. And they could have they could have stopped him, I guess. They could have pulled the plug. Oh, my God, we're afraid we're getting, you know, eight people have called to complain. That probably represents eight million. <laughs> no, it represents eight people. Eight, right. There and, you're yeah. You are exactly and, right. I could tell you firsthand, uh, you are exactly right. <laughs> you know, the, the program director, the owner of the studio state he gets one uh, letter, scrawled in crayon, oh my God, we got to get rid of this guy. He's a, he's a, <laughs> so you got to have management's uh, uh, support, but Rush didn't really have management. He did, he did, there was no meeting that he had each day with anyone. He came in at nine o'clock. He saw what Blondie had left him for the night, had sent him the night before. Uh, Make sure uh, Bo, who's James Golden, and the crew were ready to go. They hit the bumper music and it's showtime. And yeah. uh, I mean, he didn't have to, oh, here's my agenda for the day, here's my subject matter. No. And that's really unusual. The website is Bob Lee Says, and uh, we'll have more with Bob Lee in a minute. First, I'll give you another website, GeneralRents.com, GeneralRents.com. That is the website for General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. They are at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Dreams Creek Road, and they have all of your equipment needs tools, equipment from big to small, large projects, small jobs, whatever tool you need to get the project done, General Equipment Rental can hook you up. And uh, they are also your official Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. So they know these tools. They know the equipment. They can tell you the difference between last year's model and this year's model. They can also give you guidance on generators and tillers, mowers, chainsaws, trimmers, and and not only can they sell them to you, but you can rent them as well. So if you're looking to get a project done, but you don't want to buy the tool, get to General Equipment Rental in Weaverville, generalrents.com, and think outside your toolbox. My guest is Bob Lee. Bob Lee Says is the uh, website, bobleesays.com. And uh, you've known Rush Limbaugh for 40 years. You've made reference now a couple times to your wife, Blondie, and uh, the work that uh, she has done. So I guess this is as good a time as any to kind of let people know and kind of is this this is something you've kept under wraps i guess all this time that she's she's been doing show prep well for rush think of her as the center handing the ball to tom brady right tom brady is the greatest of all time but you know somebody hands him the ball uh gladys knight is gladys knight and my wife blondie was a pip you know, the backup, the, the the rest of the organization. But Rush is a star. Right. And uh, But she would do the research, and there's a little funny story there about the staff of over 100. <laughs> but uh, she was she, it was her job to, to do the research and scour through the Internet. And over 20 years, 20-plus years of doing it, she knew where she could go to get the type of stuff she needed. And uh, so Rush didn't have to worry about it. He would come in. It would be set up for him. They had, a, they had their own way of dealing with it and how she would uh, highlight things and do things in the, uh, in the, in the email. So he could just pull it. He, could, he would always print stuff off so he wasn't pulling it off his monitor. He'd print it off and have it right. The stack of stuff. Yeah. Wandy provided the stack of stuff. And, um, and they worked so well together. She knew she, she was in his head and they were so synchronized. She knew what he wanted, how he wanted it presented. And, uh, uh, you know, I, one of our standing jokes, and I, her office is right here on the other side of my office here, probably World Headquarters. <laughs> and uh, by like twelve fifteen in the morning, and after the show got started, I'd say, "Is he on script?" She says, "Yeah." And I said, "Just keep him on script." You told him what to say. You know, we keep saying it, and we're kidding. I mean, it, sure, it, he he was he was a genius behind it. But uh, and well, she'd say, "Oh God, he's all he's, he's rambling off on football or golf." And, oh no, people right. are turning him off. You know, come on back, let's come back. To 
to the to the meat of the stuff. And he always would. The it was stick fun. to the issues crowd, as he would call them. The <laughs> stick to the issues crowd. Uh, and I will tell you, I mean, I do. I, I'm sort of the same way. I print off everything and I make notes all over the pages. Um, I don't have anybody that does it for me, but uh, and it. it in thinking that through, like, I could not imagine somebody handing me stuff like you're talking about and being able to do the show. Because honestly, until I read your piece at BobLeeSays.com, until I read that, I had no idea that he didn't do that himself because it sounded like he knew everything about it. it well, he it, does. It's he, amazing. He, he read his four or five papers in the New York Times, sure. Washington Post, L.A. Times, whatever, uh, Wall Street Journal. Uh, but he got where he knew he could depend on her every day for well over 20 years to have that there for him. Yeah. And uh, they again, they grew up together. Uh, Russia's parents introduced my wife's parents to each other out of college. So there was a long we, we've known his brother. We, you know, the whole thing for a long time. So it wasn't just an employee. Right. But uh, uh, they knew each, they, they trusted each other and they, he knew it would be there. Uh, the, the joke was when Air America tried to come after him with Al Franken. And that thing burned out, flamed out real quick, as you recall. <laughs> yes. And when, and when, it, when it was flaming out, Franken said, we just don't have the staff of 100-plus people <laughs> providing our show material like Limbaugh does. And Bonnie and I just looked at each other. You know, I said, I'd like to know how many times I've asked that staff of 100 people, is this one garbage can or two garbage can week? You know, <laughs> right. That's right. What's, what's for dinner? Staff what's for of dinner? 100? Staff of yeah. 100. That's right. So, and, uh, so, so I don't know. That, I don't know that. I don't know how Sean does it. I don't know how Levin does it. I don't sure. know how, uh, you know, Chad does it to these other guys. How Mexico squirrel, God knows how he does it. Yeah. But uh, Michael Savage, oh, 32 years, Rush never mentioned the name Michael Savage on the radio. Really? Rush never created feuds. One of his rules, and, and, and you probably thought through this, he never gave his, his enemies his audience. Hmm. So he would never talk about something that they now Clay Travis, who I like and I follow him, yeah. Clay Travis now, he's always creating feud with, with ESPN guys, <laughs> whether, whether they're real or not. He's, he's feuding with uh, different guys that are getting fired by the day at ESPN. Yeah. Rush never, he would talk about what the media is saying about him and he would play montages of their uh, talking point sayings. And here's what I just said. But here's what you're going to hear tonight mm -hmm. that I said, but I really didn't. But here's what they're going to say about it. But he would never personally go after anybody that was coming after him because he said, it's my audience. I'm not going to give them my audience. And they want my 20 million people. They right. want my, my 40 my 40 million eyeballs. Well, not eyeballs in radio, but uh, eardrums. Ears, yeah. Ear. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not going to give it to him. So he would never uh, create, he would never rise to the bait when these people would come after him because he was rushed. He didn't need it. I got, I got questions about how, so how long, how long did the show prep work like that? Um, just from a, just like from a technical standpoint, cause I got to believe this predated really the internet, right? Or at least the widespread use of it. Well, how, how did you get the material there? Uh, well, I, I don't. Was there a world before the internet? <laughs> right. I'm trying to think. Would it be faxes? Black and white TVs with with rabbit ears with silver foil tied around. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, again, I started my uh, my website in 1999. And yeah. Of course, it's different now. I'm on WordPress and all this other stuff, and I I do a lot of stuff on Facebook. Now I don't do Twitter, but I do Facebook. But post a lot of my stuff on Facebook. But mainly, it's getting them to the website. Yeah. And uh, and I've been doing it for twenty two years, twenty three years. So that's about the time that it was it was sophisticated enough back then. And of course, back then it was top of the art. I mean, it was the best it could be yeah. for that year. God only knows what it would be like in year twenty twenty one or year twenty thirty, where wherever we're going, if they all those idiots don't kill each other. <laughs> and that, that was not a bad idea, by the way. Not a Harris might say, I wouldn't care if they dropped up dead. Meaning Dorsey and. <laughs> Zachenberg and whatnot. Yeah, another whole that's another whole show there. But uh, they had a system working out, and again, uh, she would go to the web, pick, picked out. She probably had about fifty websites. Uh, Lucianne Goldberg, and there were others, some of which you may be familiar mm -hmm. with. That she knew she could depend on, and uh, she would pull stuff. It's not hard to figure what are the biggest news stories of the day. No, sure, yeah, and it's actually one and, of the reasons you've got to do those. But he also. You listen to Rush because he's going to see, he's going to find something, talk about something you didn't hear about. Right. 
Yeah, and that's where that's where Blondie would come in. Well, that's one of the things. It's one of the reasons why I never went to the Drudge Report because I knew that everybody else was, and yeah. I didn't want to. And it, but that didn't mean I didn't end up doing the same stories because you do you do know what happened to Drudge? I uh, well, he sold the side. He sold the side about four years ago with the stipulation that uh, there would never there would never be told that he sold it because it, it totally flipped. It went total anti Trump. About right. three years ago. And that was because the new owners wanted it that way. But if they said it's no longer Matt Drudge's site, then people would have left it. And people just thought it was Matt Drudge, a strange bird, to say the least. But uh, a multimillionaire, and he created something that nobody had thought of. And, you know, he created a pet rock. Right. And um, yeah. <laughs> but he sold, he, sold, he sold it for a whole lot of money a few years ago with the stipulation that he would never uh, go public, that it was no longer his, but it wasn't. He and Rush were good friends. He lives down in, I think, the West Palm Beach area. Uh, Coulter lived down in that area for a while. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, and if you also notice, Rush had never gone against Ann Coulter. He mm -hmm. never said anything about her, even though she flipped on Trump real bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he never flipped on uh, Chris Wallace. Now, he never supported Chris Wallace with what he's done and become, you know, Wallace has become very, very unpopular with uh, with us, uh, with us deplorables. Right. Uh, right. For, for, good, for good reason. But uh, Rush had appeared on his show, his Sunday morning show several times. And anytime that, that uh, Chris would call him, he'd come. And of course, the rating was spiked when he was on there. And he's never gone after him, but he's never he's never defended him. Right. He just said, I'm not going to trash this guy that. Was a friend of mine. He was good friends with Tim Russert too. Rush really liked Tim Russert, who was known as a fair guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, Rush isn't going to go on Stephanopoulos' show or some of that crap anymore. He wouldn't go. I mean, he's not going to go on the View. Oh, good, that's a scary thing. <laughs> but I mean, he, and he never mentioned. I don't think he ever mentioned the View. Because mm -hmm. again, he the people know who they are, and why why, why bother? He's Rush. He does. Rush. Remember, he's Rush. Right. You're you're Pete. Sean. Sean. Levin's Levin. He's Rush. Right. And he doesn't need to do that. The media don't. If the media didn't make you, the media can't break you. And they didn't. We'll wrap it up with Bob Lee in a minute. First, it is the President's Day sale. It has been extended, but these are the final days of the President's Day sale at Mattress Man. Mattressmanstores.com. That is the website. Go to their four locations in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville. And let the sleep consultants at any one of the stores there help you find the right mattress for you, including the Biltmore Collection by Restonic. These are made in Fayetteville, and these are the mattresses that are at the Biltmore Hotel and the Inn that are on the grounds there of the Biltmore Estate. Uh, and needless to say, luxurious mattresses, and sold exclusively only at Mattress Man. Go to mattressmanstores.com, check them out, or as I said, go to any of their four locations. You can also score a free box spring with the purchase of a Biltmore mattress. The triple zero financing deal, zero down, zero interest for 24 months, and zero payments for 90 days. All at Mattress Man. Experience the difference. Buy local and sleep better. So I know I, uh, I I don't want to run out of time before I ask you about this story because you do mention it in your post at BobLeeSays.com. Um, the term, uh, not just the term stack of stuff, but the term drive-by media. And yep. this came from your wife, Blondie, as I, yep. uh, as, I, as, you, uh, as you talk about. But you don't really flesh out how she actually came up with it. Is there something, do you recall no. the story of how she came up with it? Because I got to say, it is the perfect term <laughs> that fits you know, you, precisely you, you, you know, you know, what I, they I do. Could, I, could, I could ask you to define it, and your definition would probably be different than a lot of other people's. And a lot of the, the ditto heads might not define it. They don't need to. They know what rush means by it. Mm. If they drive by, like a drive-by shooting, right. create a big headline, and then they're all shooting something else. Right. How long they stick with it and stuff. And you're left saying, well, what's the rest of the story? Much less the correction to the fact you got the story wrong. They're never going to do that. I don't know how it came up. I mean, I remember the day that it did, and Rush started using it. Uh, but, I mean, how did anything, what did, what did anything germinate from? Who was patient zero for Trump derangement syndrome? <laughs> uh, I think it was Ben Sass, by the way. Uh, <laughs> ben Sass or that crazy, Mormon, that crazy Mormon, you know, one of the two, or I won't even say Bill Crystal's name because I think it's so low of him, but uh, it was one of the Lincoln Project guys. Yeah. Uh, oh. uh, like, a, like a pedophile. Uh, they got what was coming to them. But uh, Well, you do know one she, of them came, is out here. One of one of them has a has a place out here in Western North Carolina. 
I'd be ought to be right at home in Asheville. <laughs> yeah, right at home there. I, <laughs> uh, did they not have a place for you in Chapel Hill, Pete? I mean, really? Did you, hey. Asheville was the best you could do? Come on. No, I hey, I was here for as I had an afternoon drive show for as long as I could. Um, it was a target rich environment. It still is. It still is. <laughs> Well, my uh, my daughter and her husband live in Madison, Wisconsin, right now, and they're getting ready to move. But they've lived up there for four years. He had a has a campus ministry program. He's a, a, a Presbyterian minister. Hmm. And talk about Madison, Wisconsin. People talk about Chapel Hill. Madison br- br- calls itself Berkeley with bad winter. <laughs> I mean that that is such a liberal place. I yeah. mean that just it really it's it, it's much it's it's. Chapel Hill with the rubber tips off the arrows in, in <laughs> Madison. And uh, so, I mean, everything that you think, well, we've got the worst place in the world as far as liberals or whatnot, you know, in Chapel Hill, in, in, uh, in, Ro- in North Carolina, it's Chapel Borough, Chapel yeah. Carborough versus Asheville. Yeah. Well, and I West, will. West, Wil- Wilmington wants to be a player, but no, they're not at the level of Asheville or Chapel Hill, Carborough. Ash, well, I will say this Asheville, from a governing perspective, is usually actually behind. Uh, some of the other cities like Chapel Hill and Raleigh and Charlotte, they'll actually uh, like they didn't do some of the same sort of like uh, the same sex benefits for uh, for employees. Like they were they were late to that party on a lot of things. They were behind um, some of these other cities. Now, we do have the drum circle and. <laughs> So that is unique. That's definitely the case. Uh, we have a lot of uh, a lot of people that uh, a lot of transients that come here uh, because they don't get rousted off of the streets and stuff. I would bet. I, I know the area fairly well, not too well. I would bet the difference in the voting uh, uh, tabulations in Asheville versus Hendersonville is considerable. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. You got it's, all you got all the halfbacks in Hendersonville, right? Yeah, it's uh well the, and they well they started in Asheville and now what's happening Hendersonville, downtown Hendersonville, that's now becoming blue. And so same thing that happened in Charlotte when I was down there and I was a reporter first for like a decade at WBT and then and I and I, and I would do stories on this how the Republicans were leaving and they were going to all of the surrounding counties and it, Mecklenburg just kept getting bluer and bluer and bluer. Same thing, Asheville started in the city, now it's moved out to the county, and now you're starting to see Hendersonville go bluer. And there there are plans, the local Democrats, are they got plans to try to take the uh, Hendersonville City Council and County Commission. That's their next uh, sort of uh, uh, You got target. people leaving California and going to Texas because they hate California, so they take everything they hate about California and move it to Texas right. or Arizona <laughs> right. or Colorado. I mean, folks, you're trying to escape the same crap government and and ways of looking at it, socio uh, cultural trends, and you're just moving them with you. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, so, that's another that's another show too. Yeah, well, I've done it. I've done the show many times. It's true. It never gets old. Um, so I have to ask: Did he close the sale with you? Did Rush close the sale with you? Wait, when you first met, uh, and he was trying to sell you what advertising with the Kansas yeah, well, City no, 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 actually, he was trying to have us. I, I was I controlled the group sales department, so he wanted us to have tickets uh, to give to our sell that our our convention groups could buy uh, group tickets. And how they would do that if if a convention was in town, staying in our hotel, and they wanted to take a couple of busloads of their people to uh, to a Royals game, who I would call and set that up, and where they would pick up the tickets and all that. Yeah, I think we set it up. <laughs> Excuse me. I don't know if they ever got used or not. It's just kind of one of those, yeah. you know, you're just planting seeds out there and someday hopefully it would set, make some sales. I got but uh, he, he made that we, we sold each other in terms of, hey, bud, I like you. <laughs> now, let's go out and get a hamburger uh, Thursday night or something. Right. And, uh, and, it, and it just grew into uh, uh, an incredible friendship. And then one day I woke up and he was everybody's rush. He was, it wasn't just my rush anymore. He belonged to, he belonged to, uh, history and to the world. And, uh, he was still my rush. And I still know things about him. Like I can't tell you over the, over the air that friends have with each other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the, I tell you the story about when he was in New York and he was eating at Patsy's and he was still in New York and hadn't moved. And, uh, the waiter comes over and says, uh, Mr. Limbaugh, you have a fan who's working for an autograph, and he said, "Oh, glad to. What do I do? Who is she?" And I pointed out it was Joey Heatherton. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a baby boomer, uh, Pete. I'm a little bit younger, a little older. Joey Heatherton doing doing sort of mattress commercials was it. 
Well, so he took two weeks later, he calls me again. I mean, we're living outside of Boston. He calls me again. He says, you're not going to believe what happened. I'm still dealing with a Joey Heatherton thing. And he says, uh, I went to Radio City Music Hall to watch to see Ann Margaret's show. And he wasn't married at the time. And says, the uh, usher comes up and says, Mr. Limbaugh, uh, Ann Margaret, her last name is Olson or Smith, I think, but it's just Ann Margaret, uh, is a big fan and would like to invite you backstage. <laughs> so he calls me and tells me that. I said, dude, look, I don't care about your money. I don't care about your celebrity. You you have fans, Joey Heatherson and Ann Margaret. Right. I said, that's not fair. Right. <laughs> I don't, later, of course, he would have the, the G550 and the Maybox and everything else. No, no. It was a Joey Heatherson and Ann Margaret thing that sold me. I mean, really. <laughs> and so he and I would always kid about that. And, uh, <laughs> and, and one other story related to that, I know we got to go. You're getting shorter time. But uh, at the 20th anniversary of the show, which was uh, 12 years ago, was, he had a big party at the Breakers, which is the big hoity-toity uh, resort hotel in Palm Beach, and invited a lot of people. Ailes was there and a bunch of people from Fox and a lot of Russia's relatives and whatnot from Cape Girardeau and other people above uh, uh, Bo was there in the show, probably a couple hundred people in this ballroom. And I was telling the story, and I related in the column that uh, back about three or four years, I think 93 or 94, when Rush was already big, I mean, he wasn't Rush, he was Rush, but he didn't know he was going to be for 32 years Rush. And I said, dude, someday you're going to, you know, after 30 years, you're going to hang up the golden microphone, and uh, the headline's going to be, we knew he wouldn't last. <laughs> So I'm telling that to Megan Kelly and Martha McCallum. Right. All right. So here's this guy. I'm, I'm thinking this is my Joey Heatherson and Margaret moment. You know, I got I've got Joey, I got Megan Kelly and Martha McCallum. These two beautiful women, you know, Fox people at the time. Yeah. And I'm sitting there making them laugh. And I said, it doesn't get any better than this. And my my payoff of rushing my friend is I can just sit here and make Megan Kelly and Martha McCallum laugh. Yeah. And <laughs> we've had those kind of moments as our friendship, as friends do. And um, and the fact that Blondie was part of it and an integral part of it because she was with Rush for, for forever, grew up with him and the family and uh, people in Cape Girardeau. I don't know where the internment's going to be, but I would imagine if I had to guess, I would say we'll be in Cape. Because nobody lives in Palm Beach. Nobody dies in Palm Beach. I mean, mm. people die in Palm Beach all the time because there's a bunch of old people, but... That's not where that's not that's nobody's hometown. Right. So I would imagine I don't know. I'll, I'll ask David, but um, well, I would imagine he will be back with his with his uh, his family there and uh, where he is. The Limbaugh name is is big there and never bigger than when it was his. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you sharing your memories uh, and your time with me today. And uh, again, my my condolences to you. And to your wife and uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you and your family and uh, all of his family. And I mean, I just, you know, everybody that loved him feels this. And uh, so hopefully that brings some comfort, you know. Uh, well, he uh, he loved his audience every bit as much as they loved him. He never took them for granted. And he was able to say about three weeks ago, I think right before Christmas, he kind of did a whole thing that people thought was his last show, and it wasn't. But he did an end-of-the-year show, and he kind of did a lot of that. He just spoke from the heart for about 30 minutes. And uh, I think they always understood that. I think the Ditto Heads, the 20 million Ditto Heads, got that. And uh, it was not a shtick. It was not a put-on it was from the heart, and they knew that. He got a chance to say goodbye, kind of, and they got a chance over the last month to say goodbye to him. And that was important. Yeah. Bob Lee, you can read his uh, his column about this and other stuff all the time at BobLeeSays.com. Thanks again for your time, sir. Thank you, Pete. Bye-bye. Good luck. All right, and that is a wrap for the episode. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. Thanks for letting me be a part of your day. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Give it a positive review as well. I appreciate that. And you can even become a patron of the program and get in on the live streams that we do every week. Uh, and uh, so exclusive content. And you get some bumper stickers, too, which is really why people do it, I think. Um, go to thepetecalendarshow.com. That's thepetecalendarshow.com. And uh, all the links are there. Thanks again for listening and for the support. We'll talk with you later. Later, don't break anything while I'm gone.